Sweet. How, how are you guys doing? Charlotte's doing good. How are you guys doing? Bad. Okay, thumbs down. Well, hopefully that gets better as we come to God's Word. Uh, today we're going to be in Nehemiah chapter 7. Uh, we're about the halfway mark uh, of our journey through this study called Rebuild. Um, and if you can remember from last week, the, the wall is built, uh, and so they have accomplished the work that they've done. Uh, but we're going to get into a message today entitled Lasting Usefulness, Lasting Usefulness. And so you can definitely take notes today. Um, I know you have to, some of you will have to, if you don't bring your own notebook today, you'll have to write especially small on those prayer request cards, but I believe you can do it. Uh, now, do you guys have a favorite cup? You're like, what do you mean? No, no, think about it. I mean, do you have like a favorite cup at home? Yeah. I remember growing up, right? I remember having some. Right now, Haley's smiling back there. Right now, I have a favorite cup. It's just, it's super random, but I was at a Starbucks a couple years ago, and we had a friend that worked there. And I was like, hey, can you give me this cup? It was like on sale, $7. But it, what I like so much about it is that it's insulated, so there's no cup sweat. You guys know what cup sweat is? Yeah. Cup sweat's never fun, right? That's when like your whole just drink gets all wet everywhere, and then it gets on your homework, and it's, it's the worst thing ever. And so what's nice about this one, is just a black, you know, metal cup. Um, but it's just I, just, I just like it. You guys have a favorite cup? Maybe it's, uh, you, can go, you can go to the next slide. Maybe it's a mug. Um, I know a lot of people, I know for us, like somehow we've only been married three years, but we have like 40 mugs and I don't understand how that's even possible, right? There's just like people give them as gifts, but uh, you know, maybe, maybe there's a mug that you really like, like the handle's just right and you're just like, like it. Um, and you would never throw away that cup after one use, right? That's your favorite cup. That's something that you're going to use over and over again. But there's a difference between like, say, your favorite cup and like a disposable cup, right? Disposable cup, it's like, okay, use once, and then you throw it away. Usually, unless like, uh, you're like my dad, who I remember used to when we were younger, you know, sometimes put the red Solo cups in the dishwasher after like a party, because there's so many, he don't want to waste them. Uh, that's a little more weird, right? But usually you, you throw them away. <laughs> I love Christian's face right here. I can't believe the dishwasher story. Um, but usually, right, and there's a big difference between, you know, using a cup once, where I could say I've used my cup so many different times. You're like, okay, so is the study on cups today? No. Uh, the, the, the study today is on being used by the Lord. And why do I bring this up? Because the Bible talks about in 2 Timothy chapter 2 that you and I are vessels for the Lord. Everyone say vessel. Um, and when I say vessel, sometimes it's going to be like, okay, is that like a vessel? Like, is that like a big ship? Like, what's, what's, what's going on here? Just think about it, something that, is able to contain something, okay? And so my mind, when I think a vessel, always just goes to cup for some reason. And so that's what we're using today. But there's a difference of being used by God once or twice, of having something that you can think back on. Well, I was used by God once, like I encouraged that person, or I prayed for that person. Uh, and there's a whole different thing of being something of someone uh, that God is able to go back to time after time to be used. Um, it's, there's a difference between a one-time usage and uh, another thing to live a life of usefulness to God. And so what we're going to be talking about today is, is uh, really just one thing. Um, as I was praying 
uh, in the back. We have a message. There's three points today, but I'm really feeling like uh, for you guys, for whatever reason, uh, just as I was praying back there, uh, that we just need to kind of focus on one today, and we'll see that, what that is in, in just a moment. Um, but as we come to Nehemiah chapter 7, uh, it's exciting, as I said a moment ago. Last chapter, they finally completed the wall. If you can remember, the enemies were throwing that, those Hail Marys, just trying to stop them. Uh, but they failed, as always. And the wall is now built. The enemy is subdued, but there's a transition here. Do you guys know what a transition is? There's kind of a, a change of pace, right? Is, uh, these first six, chap- six chapters has been all about building the wall. From the, from the point of chapter one, where the desire and the thought was, was put into Nehemiah, from him praying about it, to him asking the king, to him going, and then all the work, all the opposition, and now it is built. But yet, if you look at your Bibles, uh, there are still uh, a few chapters left to go. We're about halfway. There's 13 chapters in total, and now we're in chapter seven. And so the transition here is from rather than focusing on the walls, and the defense of Jerusalem, Nehemiah begins to look inward. He begins to look to the people because there are still some things to do on the inside, which we'll see in our text today. He begins to appoint leaders and set up a system of guarding the city, and he begins with a process of seeing who everyone is within the walls. And today our focus uh, is mostly going to be on the first five verses, Okay, if you look in your, chap- in your, in your Bibles, you can see there's, there's five verses, and then after those five, there's just a bunch of list of names. Now, uh, today, um, I don't think we'll be able to get into all uh, of those names, but uh, there's some things that God wants to uh, share with us. But uh, again, guys, I'm telling you, which I know you might hear this all the time, but living a life that is being used by God for his plans and his purposes is the most satisfying and fulfilling thing you can do. If there's something in your life where you just feel maybe uneasy about or you don't feel satisfied with, um, or maybe you just like, you want to know your purpose, if you've ever had those kind of thoughts, like, what are you here for? What are you here on the earth for? Well, the one thing that we all have in common is that we do not find that until we start uh, really being used by the Lord. That, that, when you boil it all down, we might have different tasks and different jobs and different things and different purposes, but it is all connected to us being used by the Lord for his plans, right, and his purposes, which his main goal is to get people to himself, is to draw people to the gospel of what Jesus did and to move people from darkness and hell into light and eternity in, in heaven with him. And he has chosen to use us. He has chosen that we are the vessels that he has chosen to use. He hasn't chosen to use angels or dogs or whales or flies, which would be interesting, but he has chosen to use you and me to do his work. And it's honestly an honor and it is a privilege, Uh, but there is something that is required for God to use us. You see, as much as God so desires to use each one of you, there is a precursor. You know what that is? There is a requirement to be able to be used by God. And there there are definitely a few, uh, but we're gonna just focus on one today. There's a couple other points I had, but I'm just sensing that the Lord wants to, to just focus on this one thing, okay? And so I'm gonna read these verses I'm going to share with you what those, that one thing is, uh, 
we'll, we'll, we'll read the verses, we'll pray, and then I'll share with you what that one thing is, okay? I'm going to be very single-minded today. Sound good? Okay. Father, uh, let's, let's read, and then we'll pray. <laughs> okay, look at chapter 7, and we'll look at verses 1 through 5 together, okay? The Bible says this, Then it was, when the wall was built, and I had hung the doors, and when the gatekeepers, the singers, and the Levites had been appointed that I gave charge of Jerusalem to my brother Hanani and Hananiah, the leader of the citadel. For he was a faithful man and feared God more than many. And I said to them, do not let the gates of Jerusalem be open until the sun is hot. And while they stand guard, let them shut and bar the doors and appoint guards from among the inhabitants of Jerusalem." one at his watch station and another in front of his own house. Now the city was large and spacious, but the people in it were few and the houses were not built. Then my God put it into my heart to gather the nobles, the rulers and the people that they might be registered by genealogy. And I found a register of the genealogy of those who had come up in the first return and found written in it, and then for the rest of this chapter, uh, he, he begins to share who all was originally came to Jerusalem after the captivity. So let's pray and we'll get into uh, what we have here. Father, we, we come before you and Lord, our desire uh, this, this afternoon is to uh, truly meet with you. Lord, we know that there's lots of uh, Bible studies that we could do this morning, uh, but we don't want to just hear a Bible study. We want to hear from you. And so I pray to you personally, God, that you would speak through me right now, that I would get out of the way and that the students and, and those listening and even myself, that we would just, uh, Lord, be able to learn from you. And Lord, is our desire is to, uh, Lord, you, uh, be used by you. Would you just enlighten us on what this looks like and what this means today? And we pray all these things in Jesus' name, and we all said, amen. Amen. All right, <laughs> there you go, like a joke. Um, so as we, as we look at this, uh, there is the one thing that we're gonna focus on today. There's a lot that we can pull out of this, uh, but the one thing that we're gonna look at as a requirement to be used by the Lord uh, is to be faithful, okay? Very simple, but very uh, uh, deep in meaning. We are to be faithful, you see, if we look at verses one and two, which is going to now be the focus of what we're going to look at today, uh, it is that of being faithful. You see, the walls are completed, the doors are hung, and Nehemiah in verse one, look in your Bibles, he begins to appoint different people to different positions. He appoints some gatekeepers and some singers, those who would worship to God. He was, he was okay, appointing uh, Levites now, because think about it. Think about all the people that were working on the wall. Well, the wall's done now. And so now they begin, they actually get to begin their city life, their life uh, together, that that part is done. And so they begin, he begins to kind of reestablish some, some worship things and, and getting people uh, appointed and situated. We see in verse two, uh, once he does this, he begins to appoint people some prominent leadership positions. If you look at verse two, it says that he gives the charge of Jerusalem over to two guys. Uh, can someone give me one name in verse two? Yes. Hanani. Yeah, perfect, perfect pronunciation. Uh, so one is Hanani, and the other guy has a very similar name. 
Uh, what's the second one? Yes, sir. Hananiah. So uh, kind of confusing, can get confusing because of how similar they are, kind of like Elijah and Elisha. Uh, but Hananiah and Hananiah. Uh, Hananiah, we know, we actually seen him before in our series together. Does anyone remember where we saw him first? This is a, this is a good question. Yes. Dude. Right on, man. Super good job. Yeah, totally. He is the one who originally in chapter one had even brought the news to Nehemiah about what was going on in Jerusalem, that Nehemiah was doing his normal cup bearing. And, and then some people, and Hananiah in that group included, came back uh, from being in Jerusalem to Babylon or to what would, would then be Persia. And he, he asked him, he says, hey, how are those things in Jerusalem? And Hananiah gives him the news. Uh, what we also know about him is that he is his actual brother. Uh, when it says brother in verse two, it's not just like, you know, they were close or they were tight. It was literally his blood brother. And so Hananiah, his brother, he gives charge, uh, but also to Hananiah. Uh, Hananiah is described here in verse two as the leader of the citadel. Uh, the citadel was basically the fortress where uh, typically the, the king, if they had one, would, would stay uh, and where a lot of the military kind of base would be for that city. And so this guy was uh, more or less the commander of the, of the army there for the city. It uh, wasn't ginormous by any means, but he would be kind of like the, the general in command. Does that make sense? And so these two guys uh, were given charge uh, uh, of Jerusalem. That Nehemiah here begins, I think, you know, we see in verse, if you look at verse five, it says that God had put other things in his heart, that he had different kinds of vision, that Nehemiah was never interested in being the king. And so he begins to uh, give away some of these responsibilities uh, within their city there. But notice verse two, it not only describes who took on this job, but it describes what kind of men they were. There's two things that are mentioned uh, someone give me one of them. Look at verse two. Someone give me one. Of, what, what kind of men were these described as? Yes. Oh, men of integrity or faithful. Okay. What was the second thing? Yes, sir. Fear. Fear, right? They were God-fearing. And so they were faithful men and they were God-fearing men. And notice that it even says that they were more than most. That they were faithful more than most. That they were God-fearing more than most. Meaning that they stood out that the level of faithfulness they had was above and beyond, that the way that they walked in the fear of God was just almost noticeable, that they, this was their reputation. Everyone say reputation. You guys know what reputation means? Yeah, right? Some people have good reputations. Some people have not so good reputations. Uh, but their reputation, uh, seeming, if these were the two things that that Nehemiah would look at, he says, okay, we need someone faithful and we need someone God-fearing. These two guys were more than most. Now, if you can remember a couple weeks ago in Nehemiah chapter five, we talked over the second one here, the being God-fearing or walking in the fear of God. Anyone remember that? Uh, we, we looked at it pretty extensively of what that really practically looks like in our life, that we're not to be afraid of God, but we're to live a life knowing that he is aware, that he's watching and that he cares about even the smallest things that we do. And so because we've already addressed that within our series, we're going to focus on one thing today, and that is faithfulness. That is being faithful. And it's amazing when you look in not just the Old, but also the New Testament of how big this factor is. It's how much God really cares about being faithful. 
You see, Nehemiah just gave a ginormous responsibility to these two guys. Think about it, just for a moment in your heads. Think about how much, I mean, we've been going through this series. Think about how much work has gone into these walls, how much caretaking and opposition and, and prayer and things that have gone into building these walls. And then Nehemiah just gives it up. He, he just gives up the charge here and he gives up this, these certain big responsibilities um, it was crucial that the people he gave it to were faithful, okay? And I'm gonna give you just three different words to help you understand what it means to be faithful. And the first one will be on the screen is reliable, second one is trustworthy, and the third one is dependable. I think this is a really good way to understand what it means and what it looks like to be faithful, to be reliable, to be trustworthy, and to be dependable, that this word faithful, that there's a sense of, uh, also a sense of loyalty and a sense of integrity. You know, someone, uh, I think Morgan's version seemed to say uh, that they had this integrity. Does anyone know what integrity means? Okay. Uh, yeah. They were true. Yeah. Yeah. There's, there's a big sense with the word integrity of honesty, uh, but it goes even beyond that. It's internal or uh, integrity has to do with a lot of internal, um, who you are internally, meaning who you are when no one is around, I think is, uh, is an awesome way to kind of think about integrity, that even if you weren't going to get caught with that, doing something, would you still do it? Um, and it's that, it's that personal kind of who you are when no one else is around. That's, that, that would be your level of integrity. And there's, a, there's an element to that too. And so let me, let me try to give you some examples um, of what it looks like to be a faithful person. Um, and I think a good way uh, to, to understand this is you and I, I'm telling you, trust me, you and I often want faithful people in our life. Uh, we do. We want people surrounding us that are faithful. For example, um, um, have you guys ever uh, been at school or practice when someone has been late to pick you up? Isn't that like the worst feeling? Like, especially if it's like an hour and you're like the last one. Um, it's like the worst feeling, right? And sometimes, you know, there's things that happens, but preferably you would want a faithful picker-upper, okay? Whether that was your older brother or your mom or your dad, you want them uh, to be faithful, to be on time, reliable, dependable in that way. Uh, what about, um, have you guys ever gone on vacation before? Yeah? Um, have you guys ever been to LAX? Raise your hand if you've ever been to LAX. It's like an insane airport, okay? It's the one in LA. Uh, it is, yeah, just a nightmare most of the time. And I know sometimes Haley and I, Haley and I will fly out of there and uh, you never want to park there because it, you know, costs money and it's expensive and you're trying to like, it's just, it's so much easier when someone can drop you off. But the thing that sometimes is scary is when you get back into town and someone has to be there early in the morning and the person that you want to choose for that, you want them to be faithful because LAX is not a fun place to like hang out for the day, okay? And so you'd want someone faithful. Or what about group projects? Raise your hand if you've ever been a part of a group project. Oh yeah. Uh, you want faithful people in group projects. The worst thing is when you're trying your hardest to get a good grade, right? And you do your part of the project. You're like, this is gonna be good. I'm actually feeling like we're gonna get a good grade on this. And then you get to school, you get to whatever you're doing, and the person completely failed. They didn't even try to do it. They just come, yeah, I didn't do it. And you're like, wait, but I tried so hard. I was faithful. 
you want faithful group project partners, right? Um, hopefully you guys can understand and relate to that. Uh, what about uh, when you go to the doctor or dentist? Have you guys ever been to either? Yeah, hopefully you guys go to the dentist. <laughs> of course you have. Um, you want faithful doctors and faithful dentists. You want to make sure that they're faithful at cleaning their tools before they use them on you, right? Imagine if the dentist was like, eh, it's mostly clean. And then, you know, the plaque thing is, is not all over your teeth from someone else's plaque thing. It's gross. You want them to be faithful. You want them to be people of integrity, to be reliable and dependable. That when you have something going on, you can go to a faithful doctor, okay? Does that help you guys understand that? Can we all, anyone have any questions on what it means to be faithful? Okay, let's keep going on what this looks like. Someone once said, and this is a quote that I want you to really take in. It says this, the greatest ability is dependability. This is probably becoming one of my favorite quotes and I really want to memorize it. And I should probably find out who exactly said it. But someone once said, the greatest ability is dependability. And what do I mean by this? You see, what, what do I put? What, what will put you in a place, there you go. What will put you in a place for God to use you is not what you can do, your ability, but what you are willing to do. You guys hear me? It has nothing to do with your abilities, your talents, your good looks, or your good hair, or your good clothes. It has nothing to do with that. It's not about your ability or talent or good looks, but rather about your faithfulness, reliability, and dependability. This is simply what God looks for. If you look at verse two, it says that Nehemiah gave the charge over to these two faithful men. The word charge here means to appoint or assign a responsibility or duty. That for Nehemiah, he could see, he had this great vision for this city, obviously, uh, and, and he wanted to pick people that were faithful because he had these responsibilities. He had these duties. He had these tasks that needed to be done for the integrity and security of the, of the city. These were, these were crucial. And I believe that God is looking to, to give charge over things that he has to do. That God has responsibilities. God has tasks. God has different jobs. And he, is, and he wants you to co-labor with him. It's not that God needs it. He could do it himself. But the amazing thing is that, is that he invites us to be a part of what he's doing. And so God so desires to give us charge over things, but the requirement is faithfulness. And to be given a responsibility, guess what you have to be? Responsible, right? It's in the word. And so to be given a responsibility, you have to be responsible. And you guys, I know, can understand this because you experience this at home. That as you have been getting older, especially now that you're junior high, and you'll experience this more and more as you get into high school, and then once you become an adult, oh man, uh, but your responsibilities and, and things that you get to do, because responsibilities, we always think about that in a negative light. We're like, oh, responsibilities, taking out the trash, mowing the lawn. We always think about it in negative lights, right? But responsibility, I can tell you guys, is an amazing thing. It is cool to have responsibility because responsibility brings uh, just joy and it uh, brings you more opportunities. And as you get older, you'll have, you'll just actually be given more responsibility, but you experience this at home. That 
you get the responsibility of looking at, after yourself while you're home alone a little bit longer if you're responsible, if you're faithful. But imagine if you get caught doing something that you shouldn't have been doing. Now you're not, your parents can't trust you, you weren't faithful in that, and so responsibility is taken away. Uh, or, or whatever it might be, whether it's the responsibility of, of staying up a little later. And so, no, you, you, you abused it, you weren't faithful, it's taken away. And, you're, and your parents also experience this at work. Um, you guys know what a promotion is? See, promotion is usually uh, based upon faithfulness so often that, they, that your parents' boss, your dad's boss, is able to give them more responsibility, which means higher pay, which means you guys as a family are able to do more, to have more, to uh, just be provided for in a better way because of the faithfulness of your dad, right? And if there's not that responsibility and there's not that faithfulness and dependability, then you, you know there's such thing as de a demotion too, right? Where it's like, okay, we're actually gonna be now, you're gonna be at a lower level now. Um, and this is so common to you, to you and I, uh, but it is a privilege, guys, to serve God. You guys know what privilege means, right? It's something that is not rightfully ours, but it is a privilege, and he won't use anyone. He will only use the faithful. Think about it like this. We sing songs about God's faithfulness all the time, whether it's, uh, you know, great is your faithfulness, O oh God, right? Um, there's so many times we're singing about God's faithfulness, and what does that mean? We thank him for being faithful to us. It means that God is there, that he's present, that he's uh, trustworthy, reliable, dependable, that he never changes, that he's always the same. And so God also, though, expects that of us. Not gonna be perfect, but there is this level of responsibility. Does that make sense? You guys tracking with that? And I believe a lot of you guys, God would wanna speak to you on this exact thing right now. That I believe that God, for a lot of you, ha has more, has bigger things, has different things that God wants to give to you, but you're just not able to handle them. And within the responsibilities that he gives, there is amazing blessing and privilege. And um, I, I, wanna, I want you guys to look on the screen. First Samuel chapter 16, verse 7, uh, we find God's basis for search. For, I mean, how God chooses people is not based upon how you and I choose people. Now, it's one thing for your dad at work and based upon faithfulness and, and performance and things like that. Uh, but you and I, when we, you know, pick someone uh, for a sport, say dodgeball, right? Say if we all lined up and, and there was two team captains and people were picking for dodgeball, right? You would kind of be looking for the people, okay, that person, I think she played softball. Okay, he, he played baseball for, he's playing baseball, he has a baseball uniform on. I'm picking that guy on my team, right? And we base upon ability. God does not base upon ability. He actually, from what the Bible describes, he prefers to, to take people with less ability so that he gets the credit for it. It's what he loves to do. You see that with Gideon and the 300 men that he did. The less that God has to work with sometimes, God often works in small numbers and with uh, what would appear as no ability because then God is able to come in and give power. And we see that in 1 Samuel 16, verse seven, the, the Bible says here, but the Lord said to Samuel, do not look at his appearance or at his physical stature because I have refused him. For the Lord does not see as man sees for man looks at the outward appearance, but the Lord 
looks at the heart. Now, does anyone know the situation of this verse? Anyone know the context of what's going on here? You can share with me if you do. Yes, sir. Yeah, exactly. Actually, the second king, right? Saul is actually king at this time, uh, but he was not so good of king. He was disobeying God and, and compromising in little ways. And so uh, right here, and just as uh, Christian said, that God sends Samuel to the house of Jesse. And he goes to the house of Jesse. And hopefully you're a little bit familiar with the story, but if not, I'll try to explain it to you guys. He goes there and he's looking for the next king. And his mind, he's thinking visual, right? He's thinking, okay, this guy's gonna be yoked. He's gonna be big. He's gonna like already have like a sword in a in his hand, it's going to be awesome. It's probably going to be the, the firstborn son. And so he gets there, and right away, uh, Samuel sees the first, the first son that comes of Jesse's, and he's like, that's it. That's the king. And right in that moment, because as you know, he did, it's not the next son or the next son, but seven sons later, it ends up being David, who wasn't even present at the house, that he was so disregarded in his family that he was just doing shepherd work, and away and would never be considered to be king. But there's this little rebuke that God has towards Samuel, and it's this. And it's the fact that God says, I see differently than you. Meaning even the way that you look at yourself and you might think, well, I have no ability. I have no great talent. I, I'm not good at speaking, or I'm not, I don't know a whole lot about the Bible, or this, that, and another. We can even we can even look at ourselves and God sees us differently. He just sees us as a vessel, someone he would so desire to use, but because of our unfaithfulness, he's unable to. See, God is not looking for outward talents, but inward integrity. Another example of this is 2 Chronicles 16, verse 9. There's actually another guy named Hanani. He's a wise man of God that comes to King Asa, and he actually brings some judgment but he also brings some insight, another insight for us of how God looks at things. The Bible says this, For the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth to show himself strong on behalf of those whose heart is loyal or faithful to him. That to think that in this room right now, that I believe God is, is looking. And he's looking at your heart and he sees you. And if you're, if you're his... Then he's, seeing, then he's seeing you through the eyes of Jesus, perfect. Uh, but he's looking for something. He's looking for loyalty. He's looking for faithfulness. And why? What's the reason? It's so that he can show himself strong in that person's life. So he can do great and awesome things. It might be a cliche thing, but God really does have plans for you. And he wants to do great things through you. But I think the number one thing that hinders people from being used by God is they're, is they're just God can't trust them. Because God, I mean, this is, a, this is a pretty, this is a big thing for God to trust us with. He trusts us with his gospel. And I think for a lot of us, he can't, he can't trust us because we haven't proven ourselves in the areas of small faithfulness. Paul would describe himself and those with him as stewards. You guys ever heard of the word steward? I know I'm not steward, like the person. But there's a word in the Bible that's found a handful of times, and it's the word steward. It means manager or the person responsible over. Uh, maybe someday you want to work at like Trader Joe's or Harkins or something like that. Uh, and, you know, at first you'll just be, um, you know, a worker of some kind. But maybe one day you become a manager. Um, and manager is the one that he has responsibility over that store. He's not the owner, but he's the manager. 
I mean, the, the owner of the store, she says, okay, you've been faithful, and so I'm going to now put you as the steward over this store. You're going you're gonna to see all the responsibilities because you have proven it in the past. And the Bible says that you and I are right here stewards of the mysteries of God. The Bible says, let a man so consider us as servants of Christ and stewards of the mysteries of God. Moreover, it is required in stewards that one must be found what? Say it out loud, come on. Faithful. This is the requirement. You see, it doesn't say required for a steward or if God's gonna give something and responsibility uh, to know a lot about the Bible. It's required for a steward to speak very well. It's required for a steward to have this amazing set of leadership skills. No, God simply says, I just want you to be faithful and be reliable and someone that's dependable and then I'll come to you. And what we'll see in a moment is that God so desires to give more. He desires to increase the things that he's even put us over. Jesus also talks about this concept of the same word of being a steward. Everyone say steward. Um, and he talks about this in Luke chapter 12, verses 42 through 48. Why don't we turn there? Luke, so you can put a little uh, ribbon in Nehemiah and let's turn to Luke chapter 16. You guys good? You following? Pretty, pretty simple, right? It's, it's kind of it's there. This is how God chooses. This is what he desires. Luke chapter 12, verses 42 through 48. Uh, here talks about a, he, he begins to share basically a, a parable with them, a story uh, to explain a story. It's kind of funny. Um, but here, Peter says in verse 41, Lord, do you speak this parable only to us or to all the people? And as if Jesus wasn't being clear then, now he, he says another parable, but look at it. There's a lot to learn. It says in verse 42 of chapter 12, you guys there? It says this, who then is that faithful and wise steward? There's our word, manager, over his household to give them their portion of food in due season. It says, blessed is that servant whom, or steward, whom his master will find so doing when he comes, meaning being faithful. Truly, I say to you that he will make him ruler over all he has. You guys notice that? This is that for the faithful steward or servant, the one who's just doing what the master had told him to do, that when the master comes back, that he's going to give him rule over more things, over all he has, kind of like what Nehemiah did with these two guys. Verse 45, but if that servant or that steward says in his heart, my master is delaying his coming and begins to beat the male and female servants and to eat and drink and be drunk, the master of that servant will come on a day when he is not looking for him, at an hour when he is not aware and will cut him in two and appoint him his portion with the unbelievers. You're like, oh my gosh. And the servant who knew his master's will, notice knew his master's will and did not prepare himself or do according to his will shall be beaten with many stripes. But he who did not know yet committed things deserving of stripes shall be beaten with few. For, to, for everyone to whom much is given, from him much is, will be required, and to him much has been committed, or him they will ask the more. What is this talking about? It means that you and I, with the information and things that, that we learn and know, and the revelation that God has given us, 
uh, he will keep us accountable for the things that we know. And the amazing thing is, though, is that if we are faithful, God says, look, I'm going to give you more and more and more. God's desire is for us to be faithful stewards so that he can entrust us with more. Uh, Luke chapter 16, Jesus again brings up this idea of faithfulness. You can either turn there or look on the screen for this one. Um, the Bible says this. He says, he who is faithful in what is least or little is faithful also in much. And he who is unjust in what is least is also unjust in much. Therefore, if you have not been faithful in unrighteous mammon or money, who will commit to you the trust of true riches? And if you have not been faithful in what is another man's, who will give you what is your own? See, the context of this is dealing with money. And I think money is a good way to kind of uh, understand faithfulness or stewardship. Is that imagine if you're if your parents gave you, you know, 20 bucks and then they said, okay, I'm gonna give you these 20 bucks. You can go to the store, don't spend the whole thing. Like just spend, you know, $5 or so and then, and then come back and give me the change. Maybe you've experienced that. I know I did when I was a kid. I imagine you go and you spend all the money, right? Or you lose it. Then your mom's like, hey, where, where's the change? Oh man, how many times did I hear that? Where's the change, right? Um, and you're like, oh, I spent it or I... I did something else. Now, next time you ask for some money, what do you think your mom's going to do? Like, yeah, or like go with you. You have to hold your hand like a little kid because you were not faithful in that. And so I think money is a good way for us to understand this idea. But check it out here. This totally makes rational sense. He says, look, if you're faithful in little things, then you're going to be faithful in bigger things. That this is just rational uh, and it makes sense. And this is how God deals. He's looking right now and what he's already given you. Meaning, what do you know about God? What do you know about what he wants for you? What do you know right now in your life that he's, that he's desiring for you to do? I believe you know a lot of those things. And this is including, you know, at, this is not just including, I think this is so pivotal that I think God, I, I heard this a while ago and I think it's true, is that the place where God looks most is in our homes. I think he really cares about what goes on in our homes, meaning me and my wife, he, he cares about how I talk to Haley, how I treat her, how, I, how I'm faithful with finances. And, and for you too, you're like, well, I don't have a home, like meaning you don't own one. Yeah, but you're part of one. And I believe that he's looking, how are you at home when you're not at church? How are you looking? How are you dealing with things? How are you treating your, your brother or your cat or your, or your dad or whatever it might be? How are you, what about your room? Are you like, faithful in, in, in keeping tidy your room. Uh, it's in those small things that God is really looking for. And God says, look, if you're just faithful in those smaller things, I'm just going to start adding and adding and adding. God is faithful to increase. Um, have you guys ever heard of the parable of the talents? Raise your hand if you've ever heard of the parable of the talents. Raise your hand if you've, you're not sure. Raise your hand if you've never heard of it. Really, okay, Matthew chapter 25. I, we're not gonna turn there, but I do want you to note this. Have you ever heard the saying, well done, like good and faithful servant? Raise your hand if you've ever heard that. Okay, so it's something we say. This comes from the parable of the talents. Matthew chapter 25 um, is also a place where Jesus is using a story about money for us to understand faithfulness. And he's using it in regards to what God has given us. And so he, he again describes a master who was going on a business trip 
and entrusted his servants or stewards with a certain amount of money. One, he gave 10 talents. And you're like, no, no, not talents like in, he can do a handstand, uh, but talents as in uh, it's a, it was a form of money back then. So imagine one steward, he gives $10,000. Another steward, he gives $5,000. And another steward, he gives $1,000. And during the time that he was away, the stewards were to invest that money to get interest and to get a return on it. So in theory, it would be good if if you know, they were able to double the return so that when the master came back, they were able to give 20000 and 10000 2000 Make sense? And so he leaves on the business trip and comes back and the first guy, 10000 he turned it in 20000 The next guy, 5000 he turned it into 10000 Next guy, 1000 he said, well, I just, I felt like I had so little. I didn't have enough to work with. So I just, I just hit it in the ground and didn't do, didn't do anything with it. And it says that, the master rebukes the servant and there's actually punishment for that servant. But for the two, the Bible says this, that the master responds, and this is where we kind of get it from, is that the master responds to the two that were faithful. And he says, well done, good and faithful servant. You were faithful over just a few things. I will make you ruler over many things. Enter into the joy of your Lord. See, Jesus was using this is because this is what God's going to look for. That when you get to heaven, God's not going to base your rewards based on your abilities, but based upon your faithfulness. And I love that it says that, that the master will say and God will say to us, you were faithful over a few things. And now I'm going to make you ruler over many things. You see, heaven is full of rewards. Heaven is full of positions and things and responsibilities even. Uh, privileges. And based upon our faithfulness now, we'll determine then. But as we kind of come to a close, I want to give you one area that you can start being faithful now in. And there's a lot of areas that that I need to work on, that we all need to work on in being faithful to the Lord and what he's given us. But here's a very practical one. You see, one of the ways that we can be faithful is to be faithful in our word. Matthew chapter 5, verse 37 says, But let your yes be yes, and your no, no. For whatever is more than these is from the evil one. Guys, this is square one. This is where we start. And faithfulness, it has to start with what we say, the faithfulness of our word. See, this is a scripture even a lot of unbelievers are familiar with. When you say yes, uh, then your answer is yes. And now your actions need to follow what you said. And so this is in regards to things that you tell the Lord. You need to follow through with those things. Things that you tell your mom that you're going to do, follow through with those things. Things that you tell your friend, let, let your word become so binding for you. And not in like an atrocious, ridiculous way. Like if you say something, then, you know, just like there's, a, there's an extreme to this. But just start pursuing and commit right now saying, God, I just want to be faithful in the little things. And so help me just be faithful in what I say. I mean, if I say I'm going to do something, then do it. If you say you're going to be somewhere, then be there. Of course, there's emergency situations, uh, but start being faithful in what you say. I think this is the best place that you, to start is with your word, and God will guide you from there. You see, the key for lasting usefulness is faithfulness, and God is looking for it, guys. If you made that commitment to God to do something, if you made that commitment to follow him, 
Right now, are you following him? Are you following through with your word? Can God right now entrust you with spiritual things? Because if he can't trust you with material things, how is he supposed to trust you with spiritual things? And so this is uh, just, I hope you look at me as your big brother in the Lord uh, and that this would be an encouragement to you. Remember that quote that the greatest ability is dependability. And how God chooses and how he desires to use is, is, is simply based on are you, can God trust you? And so good thing, I know this was humbling for me and thinking of the areas that I've been unfaithful in. Uh, but the awesome thing is, and you go to the very last verse, Haley. It's 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, I think verse 24. It says, he who calls you is faithful, who will also do it. Awesome thing is, even the Bible says, even when we're without faith and we're not faithful to, to God, that he remains faithful to us and he's working on us. And so just as, as much as we need to pursue this, if you just pursue Jesus, God is gonna begin to do that. And when you get closer to Jesus, you just become more faithful because you become more like him. And God is so faithful. And the more that we become like him, the more that, that people should be, our reputation, just like these guys, Hananiah and Hananiah, our reputation as Christians should be that of faithfulness. Um, and sometimes people in the world put us to shame as a church. Sometimes people in the world are more, they have more integrity than us or um, they're more reliable than us. We should be the most dependable, reliable, trustworthy people. And I know that's been, been true in times past in the country where people, you know, that, uh, that if you were this strong Christian person, that they would be able to trust you with even, you know, material things. That we should, as our reputation should be that people could trust us with anything. And, and God will use that big time. Make sense? Any questions today? All right. Father, we come before you and uh, we thank you that you are faithful. We thank you that you are so good to us that, you, that we can depend on you, that we can rely on you. Lord, we thank you that Jesus, when, Lord, he, he modeled that faithfulness for us when he was here. Lord, that he was always faithful to what you've asked him to do, even in the difficult times, even when he didn't want to, uh, he remained true to what you asked him to do. Lord, would we follow that example? Would we be faithful in the small things? And I just pray for, for us in this room, uh, Lord, and, and, and Lord, these students here, Lord, I think you are speaking to them. Lord, I just pray that they would be in tune to be able to hear your voice and um, Lord, that you would convict them right now of areas of unfaithfulness. And it's not that they would determine to, to be different today. They would just be willing to let you work on them. And uh, Lord, that you would just do, do this work in them. And, and I pray that you would increase. Lord, I pray that you would raise up in this room people that would be used mighty by you. The people like that we read about in the Bible. Lord, you're still doing that today. You're still raising up, uh, Lord, Paul's and Elijah's and David's. And I, I, it just looks different. Lord, would you do a great work in us? And would we not leave this place, Lord, the same? And we pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.